everybody in this um week's of guy talking sports we're going to get into the greek freak and signing his new shiny five-year extension with the bucks uh we're actually going to talk about um the bcs um and should they scrap the playoffs the bcs or just go something different and james harden will it be on the rockets or will he not be on the rockets all of that and a little bit more on this edition of guys talking sports Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. We are here on a snowy Wednesday night for most of us, some of us not so much. Um, and as always, here to talk some shit and uh, discuss a little bit of sports. So once again, I'm here with the fellas, um, Ace and Al. What's good, fellas? I'm good. I'm good. It's Wednesday and we missed a major snowstorm, but I got to deal with ice and a bunch of rain, so... But what am I complaining? Not like I go to, not like I gotta physically get in my car tomorrow and go to work. So, <sighs> oh, <well. laughs> yeah, now I'm 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 also good as well. It's just due to technical difficulties, I'm not where I should be. But that's because of the snow. Um, we can't complain. Just ready to get it started. Well, I have technical difficulties. Me and Ace don't, so we're gonna have to try to hold it down unless. Al freezes up on us and just looks like an emoji, you know, in a second or two. So, um, nah, so I, I should be okay, though. I should be okay. Duly noted. So, uh, we definitely got to talk about tonight. We got um, Harden, and there's some reports out there about his um, selfishness or the Rockets giving him way too much power. Um, people squawking about bringing back the BCS. Um, but let's hop right into it with um, some NBA basketball. Um, Giannis. Um, signed a super max, super max contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, re-upping for another five years with a um, fourth-year um, player option um, to tack on to his last remaining year um, on his, under his current contract with Milwaukee Bucks. Um, some people were a little shocked at it. Some people were maybe not. I know some people that were shocked or hopeful that he wouldn't sign would be, A, the Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks, and a plethora of other teams. So, fellas, what do you think about um, Giannis um, re-upping back with the Bucks? And do you think it was a good idea for him to stay, or should he have waited and explored other options? Um, I'm... I think... Actually, basketball is a little funny because of these max deals and these super max deals. Um, I can't applaud him just yet for saying there's some, there's some sort of loyalty in sport, but he does fit that mold of a gentleman who is thankful for the opportunity and all the hard work that he's put in and thankful for the organization that's believing in him. And being that he's come from Greece and he's now living in the Milwaukee area, he considers Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin like home, his family. And um, that's genuine. At least that aspect is genuine. Now, will it be genuine enough where the, the organization will sit there and do everything in their power to make it so that at least he wins one championship within that time frame? Because I think if they win one, he might be willing to stay for the duration of his career. Or, you know, if he gives them for the next four or five years and same results, you know, unfortunately, he would have given them 10 years, 10 or 11 years actually, of his life. And, you know, you can't fault the man for giving 10 or 11 years of your, of your NBA playing career and then moving on. So I, I applaud him for, for re-signing despite the the Bombardovich, whatever the hell he pronounces that last name, trade that fell through. Um and still having belief in or you know belief in in the organization as a whole to sit there and do what's right to make sure that they can try to win championships. So kudos. Yeah, no, um I completely agree. I believe that um at the end of the day, um and we was talking about this before about so many people nowadays um 
running to chase a championship and kind of, you know, with Giannis doing what he's doing, um, it's just that, you know, it's refreshing to see someone that's actually just, you know, um, wanting to stay with this team and continue to stay and grow within the team. Um, I don't think no one has ever really done that outside. The last person that actually done it was Kobe, I believe, um, where a superstar of that caliber is willing to stay with that team. So I say kudos to him. I say kudos to the Milwaukee Bucks for getting it done beforehand so that they don't have to worry about him being a free agent um, down the road. Um, good that he signed to Supermax, so now they got him locked in. Um, so they don't have to worry about him and um, him leaving or with the possibility of leaving. Uh, I think they proved their point that they're trying to build a championship caliber team around them, um, even though they didn't get ideally the people that they wanted, but they're still trying to work something out. So it was enough for him to stay. So I say kudos to the organization for um, trying to do what is necessary to keep him to stay and sign that contract. So can't knock him for that. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties okay. on my end for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, I feel you. Um, I was a little shocked. I, I thought he might sign, but I thought he might wait it out a little bit to next year and become a free agent and then, you know, see if, you know, how it feels to be wanted and, you know, recruited. Um, you know, we'll see how it's going to look in the next couple of years. I mean, getting Drew Holiday, um, you know, during free agency was definitely a step in the right direction. Do I think they have the pieces right now that compete for a championship? No. I think, you know, they might need to finagle something else. But um, I'm with you, Ace. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how, how it looks, you know, in year two or three. Um, but he's definitely given this commitment to um, the Milwaukee Bucks. I hope he doesn't regret it. I hope he doesn't get to year three or second year of his, um, you know, contract extension and then realizing, what the heck did I do this for? And then once out. So because um, that's going to be a hard contract and money to move. Um, but there'll probably be some takers to do that. So um, a lot of people are giving them props for, you know, committing to the small market as the Milwaukee Bucks because everybody thought you have the West Coast with, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Clippers, or, you know, another team, or the Golden State Warriors, which is being thrown in the mix, um, or in the East Coast with the Miami Heat. So... You know, kudos to him for trying to keep that small market, you know, and try to build it up there. You know, he's there with his brother and his family is going to be there. And he said he wants to win the championship. Now, what happens after the fact? We don't know. But uh, I'm curious to see what other moves are going to make. Because I don't think this is enough to get him over the hump. Definitely not enough for them to beat the Lakers this year. I think what I most appreciate this, about the signing is, Giannis is one way or the other is going to uh, is going to create his own legacy with this particular contract. You know, you look at like KG when he was with Minnesota. He gave Minnesota twelve years of service, and they tried. You know, they they've had opportunities that just fell short. So when KG went and left and went to go to Boston, you know, at least. It wasn't like it was KG in his prime. He, he probably got KG coming down the down the hill, but KG was still was still KG, you know. Um, so it, it gives me faith in the NBA that there are some players out there that would much prefer to, to to create their own legacy as opposed to run and join super teams. Because you know when we grew up, you know all NBA teams were not great. We always had some great. You had a, a few great NBA teams, but at least every NBA team had at least the majority had at least one star. And those stars didn't, they would never in their mind ever leave to go from one team to join with another star to try to win a championship because they wanted to win a championship for their, for the team that they were playing for. Only time when those, those players actually left is when they gave them 10 to 13 years of service and then said, you know what? Okay. It ain't happening. Let me go on. But their prime years, they were loyal to their to their squads. And I'm hoping that this is a new trend that might be starting, but I don't know, you know, these players are divas now. And, I, and they understand that they 
they have all the leverage in the world to make what they want happen. So, you know, I don't know, but it's just, it's just great to see. I, 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 I very rarely say that there's some sort of loyalty in sport. This seemed like this was a, a loyal, genuine signing on his part. Yeah, I agree. Um, I believe that it was, yeah, it's something that is rare. Um, and to be honest, like I said, they they have the opportunity now to build around them. I know that they tried their best to do it this offseason, um, but, you know, there's things that could have been done, um, like the Bogdan trade um, that got reneged, um, called back, I should say, or rescinded. Um, but they're still working on that. So I, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, they they have now an opportunity to build with Giannis in the mix. So um, they have to just make sure that they do what they need to do to continue that and build upon that. So I think the Milwaukee Bucks, all for all purposes, is going to be making a lot of moves for years to come to build off of Giannis. Yeah, and and and, and I hope so. And um, you know. Like I said, kudos for him staying there. You know, like you said, Ace, back when we were back in our NBA, you you recognize players because there were so many players on different teams. You knew, uh, of course, that Jordan was with the Bulls, but you knew a Reggie Miller with the Indiana Pacers, Ewan with the Knicks. Um, back when you had um, Lonzo Mourning with the Heat, I mean, the Lakers. I mean, you can go on and on. I mean, you knew about what the Golden State Warriors would um, run TMC and the Dallas Mavericks when he had um, the Blackman. Ooh, and that's taking it back. I wasn't going there. I was <laughs> I was going to go with Jason Kidd and uh and um uh any other guy whose name skips my mind right now. But you identify players from different teams just now instead of having these supermax. So we'll see what happens. Um, but there have been some comments Jay about Kidd. Some, it was Jay again? Kidd. Um, it was Jay Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, and um, you talking about for the Dallas team, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, and Jim Jackson. That's it was Jim Jackson. Yep, and that was yeah, a good squad. I used to, yeah, that was that got me liking Dallas. That because I was a huge Jamal Mashburn fan originally. Yeah. Um. So with, with Giannis signing, some people said that a possible reason why he wanted to stay there is because he didn't have as much expectations as some of the other race that came out, like when LeBron James came out, there was this expectation that he was going to be, quote unquote, the chosen one, the next savior, which my opinion is that was all media hype, um, you know, for him to be this next person. They they built him up to be this next savior, which he wasn't that person yet. Um, also, with Kevin Durant, he was supposed to bring a championship to OKC. He bolted to... Uh, he bought it to go to see Warriors. And so some people are saying that one of the reasons why he might have stayed because there were lower expectations on him. And if he's at Milwaukee, there'll be lower expectations for him to win a championship because they don't think he can compete. So do you think him staying might have been more so because that was in his heart? Or do you think that the lower expectations him flying under the radar might have been a reason why he would have stayed? I don't. I don't want to believe that because when you play sports, you play sports to win. You're a competitor. Nobody's going to sit there and stay in a situation because I have lower expectations. Then what does that mean? That you're just pretty much you just going to you know you're going to go there, play some mediocre ball and collect a check. But then when the next contract comes, ain't nobody going to want to sign you to no max deal because you're playing some mediocre ball. So, no, I think he genuinely stayed because he believes in the organization and the organization that believed in him coming in at 16, 17 years old. With that being said, I truly believe that Milwaukee can do something if they could just, if they draft it right or if they go out there and get a shooter. If they drafted a shooter and, or if they go out there and in free agency or somebody and get a shooter, that's all they lack. Unfortunately, that trade that they had in place and they they bungled, they bungled was that dude, you know, unfortunately. So they got to retool and try to figure something out. But maybe if they just go out there and they find somebody that can knock down an open J from time to time, he ain't got to be no 20-point scorer. 
But if he could give you anywhere between 10 and 10 and 15 or 16 points a game and just be that somebody that they have to respect on the perimeter so, you know, Giannis can stay in the post and do what he does best until he develops his jump shot, then sky's the limit for Milwaukee if that happens. Or next best scenario is I hope Giannis uh, all, you know, during this whole time frame was just trying to work on his jump shot. You know, just try to consistently hit knock down a 15-foot J. Make those defenders respect the fact that he can knock it down. If he, <laughs> if he can do that, then dynamics may change. Maybe they don't need that shooter if he can turn around and be that dude as well. But they still need somebody, you know, to, to knock down a J from time to time just for spacing purposes. But, you know, those are the two best options. But, no, he, he, he ain't just signed no contract just to be like, I got my money and don't care about nothing else just to be in a – in the shadow of some crap. Man, that's some BS. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I think that he did it basically because not just for the love of the city, but just for the love for the organization. And, you know, like I said before, they, you know, he knows where his bread and butter is and he knows that they're making an effort. And that's really all that matters to him. Um, I think that that's really what is, what's important for him. And I agree, Ace. Um, it's a couple of tweaks here and there, and you know they could definitely be on a cusp of making it into the at least the, to the Eastern Conference Championship. So um, the only thing that I'm, I'm this is why Drew Holiday is important um, more so than the changes that they made this this off season um, because of the fact is is that they needed someone to probably give them over the hump or give them that edge. Um, these past couple of years with Milwaukee, even though they was the top team in the East, um, they fell short, not even making it to the East. Well, yeah, they did make it to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, but they still fell short. So, and they had the best record in the NBA. So I think that overall, um, it was just a couple of tweaks here and there before they get started. I agree that they need shooters. Um, hopefully with the squad that they have now, um, they can make it, uh, you know, they have plans to make it into the Eastern Conference Finals at least. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Um, but I think that they made a, a valiant effort this offseason than the previous offseason. So I think that's why Giannis made that sign. And he's putting the trust in, in the organization to deliver through. And it looks like so far they made some changes that are benefit for him. Yep. Well, let's see what happens. You know, he's on the last year of his current contract. He has a five-year extension, so with a fourth-year option. So they at least got him for the next five years under contract, um, per se. So, like I said, hopefully by year two or three, he doesn't come to regret the decision. So, you know, like you said, Ace, let's see. Let's he put he put his faith into them by signing a contract. Now they're going to have to reciprocate and make sure that they build a team around him or you can see him in a couple of years talking about you got to find some place for me to go because it ain't working here. Right. A la another <laughs> player right now that's barking up the same tree right now, Mr. James Harden. Um, things aren't going so well in Houston. He wants out and he is a far away person from where his contract would even be, you know, comfortable enough for people to trade for him. But um, we've heard all the reports um, with some of his former players, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, now Russell Westbrook. Then this report comes out comes out about the whatever Harden wants culture in Houston Rockets, and it doesn't sound too pretty. Nothing that I think not too many people didn't know. But guys, what are you feeling about James Harden, the beard, and do you think that the Rockets are going to be able to move him anytime soon? Should I go first? Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> um, if I were Mr. Harden, I would give a shot with John Wall and Cousins and see how it kind of works out. Because both of those, especially uh, Cousins, you know, he's he's been kind of injury-laden these past couple seasons, but I think he has something to prove. Because he wanted another check. You know, you talk about when both of them were injury-free. You're talking about two all-stars right there. Um, Harden, in my opinion. And it, 
this shit. Let's call it spade a spade. I blame D'Antonio for this crap, for disallowing him to just shoot the ball whenever the hell he felt like it, and not instilling in some sort of offense where he has to learn how to facilitate and get others involved. Because if he had some decent offensive, if he had a decent head coach that sat there and let him be that dude and let him be more efficient with it, say, I like KD, where KD could drop 27 and only take 11, 12 shots, then he would be more inclined to sit there and want to stay and play with other players because then he'd still be dropping 27, 30 and only dropping 10 to 17 shots a game instead of shooting 30 and 40 shots a game. So, and I think that's what Coach Silas is probably going to try to install within that uh, within that team where it's more of a, a free-flowing type of motion offense where they might try to get others involved. You got a big, you got John Wall, who's still explosive. You still knock down a jumper. You know, you don't have to shoot and you don't have to score 50 or 60 points a game in order for you to win if you got capable other scorers on your squad. You know, so personally, I think he should give it a shot, but he looked like he whining and disinterested and some team was going to sucker up and give up the farm for this joker. And personally, I wouldn't do it. Personally, you know, I understand that he wants out, but I say, you know what? In this situation, you play with him for half a year and then give it, give it to whoever, what squad, whatever team for the highest bidder once you get closer to the damn playoffs right before trade deadline and let the next team try to figure out what the hell is, what the hell is going to happen as long as you got everything that you want based off of that trade. Um, I I was up. I was okay until you said what you said about blaming D'Antoni. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I don't blame D'Antoni at all for this. I blame, to be honest, I'm kind of blame Daryl Morey, um, because James Harden was like this before D'Antoni even came into the mix, um, to an extent. Um, I'm not saying I, but I agree with you on this case. I think that James Harden should be open up to play with John Wall and the rest of that cast. Um, uh, and give Salas a chance. Um, I don't, I believe that he's not, him not doing that is just doing a disservice to him overall. Because like you said, let's look at that. Let's think about it. Like it all started way before Russ and Chris Paul, because had issues with Dwight Howard, got him out of How um, Houston. Then you brought in Chris Paul. Then for whatever reason that didn't work. And Chris Paul, Chris, I'm not knocking Chris Paul, but it was working together to the point that he got you to the Western Conference Finals, and that ended up dissolved. And instead of running it back with a healthy, help Houston Rockets, you got rid of him to bring in Russell Westbrook. Gave Russell Westbrook one year to play with Houston. And now they ended up trading Russell Westbrook. They've been bending backwards for James Harden and trying to make a lot of stuff work. And obviously, it's not working to the point now that you're not happy. They went, Houston organization did everything they could to keep James Harden happy and it couldn't be done. And with that being said, they try to bring in a new nucleus of cast members and they still trying to bend backwards for you. And with all the reports and the rumors out there of what he's been doing and what he's not been doing, uh, the point of the matter is this. At the end of the day, eventually it needs to be done where they, they're going to have to get rid of him. Um, the squad that they have right now, they all seem to be on a collective same page. To be honest, John Wall seems more like a leader than James Hart, which is, it, it shouldn't even be that way, but it is that way. And you got John Ball, you got Boogie Cousins, Christian Wood, you got all these characters, all these players now coming together to play in Houston, willing to play, reaching out to James Harden, and, and James Harden still doesn't want to be there. So at the end of the day, I think Houston needs to just find the best trade that's available to them. I don't even, I wouldn't even care the preference of where he wanted to go. The best trade that's available where somebody would want to take them and just let it go. At this stage, all you're doing is a disservice, keeping him on your squad when you know he's not happy. 
Um, I think it would be best in the organization now to just move on from it and just build with, with the team that you have. Get some draft picks, build for the future, host James Harden. Bottom line. Great. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, this this monster or this or this beast um, was Daryl Morey's in the making with the collective backing of the owners. I mean, um, he brought him in. He's a supreme talent, um, but he couldn't mesh with Kevin McHale. Um, you spoke, you went to Daryl Morey, Kevin McHale leaves. They bring in Mike Danantoni. Daryl Morey says, let him do whatever he wants to. Yeah, you know, Dwight Howard, you can work with him. He left. You brought in Chris Paul. Chris Paul didn't like the way you were running the offense, standing around instead of moving when you didn't have the ball. Eventually, Chris Paul went it out. You wanted to, you know, bring in Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook didn't like the way you were operating. You was coming in late to meetings, yada, yada, yada. We heard about the film session in the bubble where you scheduled a COVID test right before um, the film session, and he was late. Russell Westbrook told Mike D'Antoni just to start the film, just start without him. And Mike D'Antoni was like, well, no, I can't do that because we're going to have to run it back when he comes. This was your boy from, you know, OKC. He came in there. He saw how this stuff operates. He couldn't deal with it. He wanted out before you even wanted out. So, you know, I find his – and I find the teams that he's been talking about he wanted to go to. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, which, you know, has uh, – <laughs> which has um, D'Antoni as an assistant coach or the 76ers, which has Daryl Morey as an executive over there. The two, you know, executives and – well – executive and a coach that let him do whatever he wanted to do that's where he wants to go um and so he's probably in a situation where paul salas is probably trying to tell him we can't roll like this anymore the new gm is probably telling him we can't roll like this anymore so now he wants out because all the people that allowed him to be who he who he was mm -hmm. and let him do whatever he want and call the shots are no longer there so once they're going guess what now he wants out because he's I guess he's probably starting to realize he's not going to be able to call the shots and do what everyone wants to do. But they're kind of stuck with him for the moment because they gave up so much to get um to, to get um, Russell Westbrook. Gave up a lot of picks. So what do they have there? Um, you got John Wall in there, but I I didn't think that was going to keep him. And um, I agree with it. I agree with Al. They're going to have to try to find a way to trade him. I don't know how they're going to do it. They might have to take pennies on a dollar <laughs> to get him out of Houston. Um, but you got two choices. You either play him till you find a good trade or send him home if you really don't want him on the squad <laughs> until you find a trade for him. I agree with Al in the sense that you find a team that gives you the best possible deal. And it don't might you? not be the best deal that you want. <laughs> But it's probably the, it's probably the best deal that they could possibly get. But you're right, you know. And don't and don't bend don't bend over backwards to try to appease this man and put him in places where he wants to be. Because if he goes to Brooklyn, Brooklyn ain't giving up the the Karis Leverts, the the Kyrie's, all of the the key players that they have. They ain't giving up none of those jokers. And I seriously doubt that they'll sit there and give up any sort of assets as far as draft capital, you know, so they managed to get both of these, both of these guys in free agency and not give up anything. Nothing. So I, I, I seriously doubt that they're going to sit there and try to give up draft picks just to get this cat. And he's shown to be somewhat of a cancer, which is kind of, kind of scary to say um, that he's made it so that people don't necessarily want to play with him which is kind of kind of shocking in a sense, just based off his attitude and he thinks that he has, you know, he's king shit. <laughs> and, and obviously Houston thinks the same way because they were willing to get that, you know, give him a two-year extension worth a hundred and something million where he's going to be making 50 plus million a year to sustain Houston. I, 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 cer I certainly want to know who has the knee pads on in that organization and why the hell is he getting blessed so nicely? <laughs> the owner's got to sign off on that kind of stuff. Obviously he did. <laughs> <laughs> if he, if the contract was put out there. <laughs> so I just, it just bothers my mind. I don't care if you send his dad to Siberia for some, some bags of ice. 
and, and a penguin. You know, just just do what you got to do, but don't put him on a squad that's going to make some sort of team, some sort of juggernaut. Though I wouldn't mind seeing him going to Milwaukee, but then I think he'd start messing with Gian, with Giannis, and I, I don't want to see that. <laughs> they don't want him. Yeah. They don't want him over there. Nah, he. I mean, I get the fact that he's, you know, like you said, smooth, a supreme a- athlete. Um, he. The, the problem is, is that basically, like, it's too many burnt, I, I think that there's too many burnt bridges, which is why he only wanted to associate with Brooklyn or Philadelphia, because he has, he has a voice there with Daryl Morey or with D'Antoni, so um, it would benefit him. It's just right now finding a particular team that is willing to risk bringing him in and give up a lot of stuff. And I really don't see that happening down the I mean, as of right now, I don't see it happening. I'm not saying that it won't happen, but I just don't see a team that's willing to, to take that, that risk, I should say. I, see, I, can, I can see a team like Charlotte. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Got the you got the ball boy at the point you put you put uh you put old boy in two. He won't be happy with that. He will not be happy with that. Will yeah, not be. The only way that will work is if Michael Jordan will reels in reels him in, and that's a big. Hit. They don't have him and Gordon Haywood uh, would would be an interesting dynamic, but I just don't see. I don't see Charlotte pulling the trigger on that. I really don't. Like he needs to go somewhere where he, especially after they paid Gordon Haywood that that contract. I just don't see that happening. Um, he has to go somewhere where the, he knows that he can run the ship no matter what. And it's not really that many teams out there. Like I, I really the Knicks. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say that. Or or, or me. Or maybe San Antonio, but I don't know how Pop would sit there and nah, Pop lay nah. the hand on him. Nah, I don't think Pop would want that. Pop runs that shit there, and and what he says goes. Yeah, I would. Uh, the Knicks. The only way I would I would be more inclined to see the Knicks um, if um, Tibbs wasn't the coach. Right. Mm. Defenses. Because if Tibbs is the coach, being a de- defensive-minded player that he is, that could be a clash in the in the making. Uh, I, if Tibbs wasn't there, then I would say hmm, I could see that because then he could definitely command a presence. He would be bigger than anything in New York with the star power that he has, um, which would be you know he can run his own ship there. But with Tibbs there, that won't work. I'm surprised. I'm surprised the Knicks didn't try to do better or at least attempt to get Russell Westbrook. True. God, but I will say that I, I do I'm sorry. I will say this though about the Knicks. They do have someone there that Harton can run with um with Austin Rivers since they did it in Houston. So that could be a uh you know, like he does have somebody there that can put a bug in his ear. Um, or he could talk to and ask about the Knicks organization. That or Austin Rivers is going to turn around and tell everybody else, like, nah, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, even though he is there for that year. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Well, I will say this. This is definitely a, uh, how do you call it, a uh, not a seller's market. This is a buyer market. So, I mean, other teams know the situation is not good. Um, James Harden, you know, for a variety of reasons, has um, soured the milk on his deal. So right now, the Houston Rockets are in a far less position of strength to get good returns on investments. Like you said, they might have to, at the end of the day, take whatever deal they're going to take. And if it's getting pennies on a dollar back <laughs> for Harding, <Right>. um, <laughs> you know, they might come to the trade deadline and it might be like, you're going to have to go with what you don't want to go, hold your nose and take it. And then you might get a Knicks that might be able to get them without having to give up much or another team that might get them that might have to give up or any team. <laughs> I mean, he has a no, he doesn't have a no trade clause. So you basically got to go where they send you. Now the team there might have problems keeping you if you don't like it, but 
they might have to take whatever best deal, like you said, they they can get. <laughs> Luca Luca plays what the the point or he's is he the three? Oh, he runs the, the point. Two, point two. Oh, yeah, the, the one or the two, usually the one. Yeah, or usually the one. Yeah, one the one. I know that sounds. I know it sounds crazy. I don't think I don't think Cuba would go after Harden, but but you think of uh, uh, Luca Harden and and Porzingis as he one, two, and three. Well, top three, I should say, not not a three, but that's not a bad little rotation. But I just can't. I just don't see how a Luca and a Harden would mesh. Luca's Luca Luca is a very he's talented and willing to share the rock, but. Luca got ice in his veins, so you know when it comes down to that last shot, Luca won the ball. I don't think Harden is going to be too caught, too uh, too keen on not having the ball in his hand when it comes down late in the game. And again, which is why I said that he needs to be on a team that basically needs offense, his offense, um, and that's why I, I I don't see him on any like it's got to be one of those teams where they're really starving for offense. Like really starving for offense, and that's why I said to be honest, the Knicks would would, would probably be ideal because they need that offensive firepower. Um, but I don't really see no other team that is like really gutting for that offense okay. at this stage. Orlando, maybe. Mm. I, mm. Yeah, um, but the question is, who would they get rid of for Harden to be there? That would be like I I don't see them getting rid of it's 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 it's, a, it's definitely interesting to see what they're going to do. I'm very curious to see what who's in play for Harden. Like seriously in play, I don't see Philadelphia or Brooklyn at this stage giving up their pieces. Um, so I'm really interested to see who else is in play. Well, it definitely is a deal out there somewhere. And the question is where it is. And I guess it'll be, you know, days or weeks before we'll find out. But, you know, somebody is going to, you know, get his services. It's just a matter of who and when. So, so we'll see about that. Um, but moving on to Ace's favorite sport, college football. <laughs> and he's smiling. Um, obviously, we know about the ACC commissioner. Um basically going off talking about bring back the BCS because um, the way the, um, the way the, um, the way the top four teams are being picked by the selection committee, um, he doesn't feel is right. I can't agree with him. His um, Cincinnati team that has not lost one game has been dropped down two spots under not one, not two, but three teams. The two losses on their on their docket, and not even in the mix for a BCS championship game. And you have Ohio State, who didn't even win six games, no fault of their own necessarily, because teams are going to play cancel the games. But yet you have a five-win Ohio State team in the in the playoffs right now, and Cincinnati is looking on the outside in, and they have a big gripe about it. So, fellas. Um, do you believe that the um, playoff um, selection committee should be scrapped and go back to the BCS, or do you think it needs to be tweaked to be a bit more fair um, to the other teams in different conferences? Because he says it's stacked against certain Power Five conference, and I and I can't disagree. <sighs> well, um, I don't disagree at all with the AAC commissioner. Um, it's been flawed for years now. Um, the general rules should have been, I know they talk about four teams are perfect, but it should have been eight from the jump. You know, you got five power five conferences, a G5 school and two at large. That would have settled everything. It wouldn't make everybody happy because there's always going to be that one or two or three squads to sit there and say, well, I think I should have deserved the seventh and eighth spots in the, in the tournament, which is fine. You know, well, then, you know what? Next year, go win your conference and you're in. Easy, easy. You know what I'm saying? But then there's that, 
oh, but what happens if there's an undefeated Alabama and plays Florida and Florida wins the SEC championship game? How does Alabama, well, Alabama clearly would be a seventh or eighth seed, depending, because they would have grabbed one of the two final spots at the end. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not a good look, especially when Cincinnati played nine games. You know, unfortunately, due to COVID, everybody's had some issues with not playing, not being able to play games. So everybody has that on their resume. But then, if you want to look at the quality of wins Cincinnati has versus the quality of wins that Ohio State has, and we talked about this ad nauseum last week, Ohio State's Regular season wins are – they play five games and four of them are against trash teams. No offense, Rutgers. We know y'all on the up and up, but those are one of the wins that they had. Outside of Indiana, and they barely beat Indiana, they played a trash-ass schedule, which makes me want to believe, just like you know, I said last week, that Texas A&M was available to play Ohio State. All they had to do is put, say the word. Texas A&M was ready. They would have went to Ohio State. They could have went to Texas, wherever the hell they wanted to be. But the AD of the uh, of the big, you know, want to stick to his guns and say not playing any teams outside of their own conference. That's a bunch of BS because I just think they were scared. I think that Texas A&M, I'm not saying would have won, but it definitely would have showed that they are not as good of a team as they're making them out to be. And that they're seriously flawed. And they don't want to be exposed because the big has to have somebody in the tournament or the, the, the final four in order to stay, you know, to say that, oh, we're, we're the mighty conference, we're the, we're the big, you know, the big conference, blah, 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 blah. So, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Do I agree they need to go back to the BCS? I don't think they need to go back to the BCS, though I love the BCS system. I just think they need to up it to eight teams, maybe 12 use some of the bowl games, cut some of the irrelevant bowl games, and and just do it that way, you know? Or, hell, if one double-A can sit there and have a, a, a tournament every year and everybody's happy with that tournament, do the same damn thing. <laughs> and then have at it, you know? Play at your home fields until you get to a certain level, and then you can still have the big the Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, all that crap when you get to the Final Four and then have your national championship, and everybody's happy. Stop with the bull. Stop with the bull. You know what I'm saying? The little man deserve to eat too. <laughs> and they're afraid that if this little man like uh, Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati or, or whatever other G5 school come in there and shocks the world and knocks off an Alabama or Clemson, Ohio State or Notre Dame or whomever, then it's like, oh, snap. Oh, oh, oh you know, it's just an anomaly because due to COVID or, you know, Ohio State has so many players not playing due to COVID. They'll make up every excuse in the book other than to say, look, Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina is just better than Ohio State this year. End of story. So, expand it. Don't disband it. Yeah, no, um, I'm not going to – I'm not even going to go on no soapbox or anything like that. I'm going to just keep it simple. Um I agree with what you said, Ace. To be honest, I agree with you 100% with everything that you said. Um, I think that for right now, um, <clears throat> and I was hearing about some of the stuff, um, some of the people saying, like the sports critics were saying, um, but right now, this is seems more just like, it's pushing out just the SEC. Um, it's doing its best to try to get SEC all in all the time. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, bottom line is this. Um, <clears throat> Coastal Carolina, I would love to see Coastal Carolina in the, as long as they remain undefeated, which most likely that they are. I would love to see them in the college football championship series or at least fighting for it. I agree with you, Ace, that the increase of the college football playoffs um, increase more games, the amount of games, eight games should be good. Um, because then it'll really determine who they are. To be honest, eight should be enough. Um, no more, no less. Um, the fact that it's just the top four to me is just ridiculous. Bottom line is this. Um, I'm not feeling it. Um, this shouldn't even be this way. Um, 
the little teams, the little teams, the teams that are doing their putting their blood, sweat, and tears, and then remaining undefeated should have a say in a matter of the college football um, championship series. Bottom line. Um, anything else outside of that is just a disservice to all of the NCAA college football teams because they don't get that opportunity to showcase what they can really do. And it's unfortunate. And to be honest, it's sad. Um, at the end of the day, I really believe that as long these teams should battle it out. The ranking system, to me honest, is a joke. Bottom line, it's a joke. Um, SEC should not be ranked with that many teams in the in the in the top ten at least. I think there's more teams that are more deserving um, to be higher than where they are. And the only way for it to happen is if they prove it in the field. And I think that what it is is that the college football championship series is scared. The fact that a little team can come in there and actually wipe, I mean, mess up their whole system. And that's why I believe that they're scared. I believe that they'll still remain scared. And I believe until everybody else bands together to, to make some noise about it, it's still going to be the same way no matter what, which is unfortunate. I agree. And um, I, I think this is more so about um, protecting the status quo this year um, and protecting for this season, the big 10 um, because uh, with their record, um, I don't see why you should keep them in the top four. I mean, how do keeping the top four? Um, if you want to go on eye tests, which was what they love to do, then the test don't look that good. <laughs> it don't look that good at all. Um, and, um, so then it's like you got to squint to kind of make sure they look good, but they don't. Um, so it's all about, you know, protecting the status quo, protecting the Big Ten, and more so about protecting good games from the college football playoff system in this COVID season because they're all worried about, they always worry about money, but they're really worried about the almighty dollar this go-round um, because you can't tell me. Well, first of all, you can't tell me that Texas A&M should be ranked number five um, when they're not even um, playing in the SEC championship game. You can't tell me that Georgia should be ahead of Cincinnati, but they're not even playing the SEC championship game. Um, if Florida beats Alabama, Alabama might drop to two or three. Florida won't make it in there. Um, if Clemson loses, again, they should be out, and they probably will put them out. If Notre Dame loses, Notre Dame should be out, but they're trying to probably, you know, find a way to keep them in. Um, if Ohio State loses, they just might be out because I don't see how you necessarily can justify it. But then you have a Texas A&M waiting in the wings. Ohio State, you know, should be, you know, have a say. So Cincinnati really should be number four. But you have teams that are not even winning their, you know, um, conferences stacked ahead of someone that's ahead of the conference. And if you want to go back to the eye test, Ohio State's eye test don't look good. Cincinnati's, I think, looks a little bit better because they were able to play a lot more teams. So call it what you want to say. The Big Ten overall this year has not been all that good. Um, so where's where's your signature win? Michigan, Michigan was not that good this year. Michigan State was not that good this year. Wisconsin, Nebraska, they beat Rutgers. Rutgers was never really that good. They were starting to do something, but they're a few seasons off. Right. Indiana gave them fits, and they probably should have lost that game because Justin Fields, when he had prime time playing against a good team, he didn't look good. That's why I'm very skeptical about Ohio State quarterbacks to begin with. We'll save that for when it's come time for um, the NFL draft because I don't think Justin Fields is as good as anybody making him up to be because we heard the same goddamn things about Dwayne Haskins last year. However, um, it's bad. Um, they need a playoff system. Like you said, Ace, um, the Power Five Conference championship winners from their respective games or their winners, take a few at large, mm -hmm. and there you go. Anybody that's going to cry about, you have a, a Auburn, a Georgia, a Florida, Texas A&M, the rest of the damn SEC. Well, guess what? You should have won your damn conference. I agree. Anybody in the Big Ten? Oh, no. You should have won your damn conference. Anybody in the Pac-12? Well, finally can get somebody in there. 
Anybody else crying about why they should be in there? You didn't win your damn conference. <laughs> Just like in the NFL, you know, they're expanding a little bit more. So now they're giving out some participation trophies. Um, somebody's got to win in the, in, you know, in the NFC East. Whether it's going to be Washington, whether it's going to be the Giants, which I don't think so, or, you know, whether it's going to be the Eagles, somebody got to win. Somebody's going to host a playoff game. There's always going to be losers, but guess what? They won their division. No matter how bad it stinks, they won their division and they're in the playoffs. No matter how bad you think, you know, Atlantic Conference is, Cincinnati won a division, they should be in the playoffs. This ridiculous archaic system, whether it's BCS or collection, just get a damn playoff system, scrap all these both or keep the bowl games you want, you want to keep them as your, you know, semifinal games, walk games, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But I agree to ACC, it's it's bogus that you have several teams that's not even, you know, on the top of their conference ahead of Cincinnati. So, and Texas A&M at number five, and it's not even playing the ST championship game, which makes absolutely no sense. This is where shit gonna get tricky. Let's play devil's advocate here. Cincinnati wins the AAC uh, conference game against Tulsa. I think that's who they're playing. They went. They finished ten and zero for the season. Boom. Okay. Um, Ohio State loses to Northwestern. Let's just go ahead and say. Notre Dame beats Clemson. And we all know that out and and let's call a spade is if we're going upset city, Florida defeats Alabama. I would have to think personally that the committee, college football playoff committee, is being hit hard as hell because of Cincinnati. If Cincinnati wins their championship. I would be very, I would be hard pressed not to believe that they would not jump all the way to number four. Sounds crazy. Florida, because they won the SEC, will probably be number three. Alabama will probably be number two, and Notre Dame will be number one. Sounds crazy, but I think that's what the college football committee would do. And they will leapfrog Texas AM, Georgia. And that's it because Florida now would have propelled themselves back up into the playoffs and Cincinnati would have been rightfully due because they actually went out there undefeated and did what they had to do. So I could see a Notre Dame one, Alabama two, uh, Florida three, and Cincinnati four. But then if Coastal Carolina wins their division, their conference championship, then you got to put them at like seven or eight, six, seven or eight just because, and they should be then invited to a New Year's Six Bowl because they went undefeated. And I think that's the only way the, the, uh, the committee could sit there and save face and somehow save the integrity of the playoff as it is now to kind of kind of keep things at bay from everybody chirping about having eight teams instead of four. That's the only way I could, I could finally foresee it. But it has to happen that way for it to happen. And unfortunately, I don't see it happening like that across the board for Cincinnati to make it in. I I, I will say this. Um, with so many different scenarios at, at this juncture, mm-hmm. um, it's still, I mean, I, I, I really want, I would really prefer if, I, it's nothing going to change. Like, there's going to be arguments. I mean, and that may happen where at the end of the day, like, those scenarios may play out. Um, but let's just say that that'll be a one-off um, where in a perfect world where none of the SECs are playing for the championship series. But that'll be a one-off. They're going to do whatever it takes for that not to happen again because that's <laughs> how fond they are of the SEC. Um, well, in this uh, it, but in this scenario, the SEC still gets two teams in. Is this? It's Alabama and Florida. It's the big who got nobody, <laughs> and it's the the AD for it's the the AD from the the commissioner from the big is going to be the one that's crying, talking about why, blah 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 blah. 
See, that's where the problem's going to lie. <laughs> well, the problem's going to lie in regardless because none of the teams is not – I mean, it's not a balanced field. So somebody's going to have to be crying no matter what. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's only the same amount of teams, the same amount of conferences that's going to be crying. You don't hear it from any other other conferences that usually don't. And again, that's my whole argument is that all these conferences should be at an equal playing field. And I'm going to keep saying it until I'm blue in the face that until that happens, the NCAA is going to have favoritism no matter what, one way, shape or form. And it needs to be a lot more balanced. Bottom line. Well, shit. This is about to blow your mind now. What happens if Dion keeps pulling in all these major talent that come into his school and propels Jackson State to be that school? When they're going to sit there and start, when they're going to look at him and start saying, oh, we can't rank Jackson State in the top 25? Like I said, doesn't matter if it's Jackson State. Even if Jackson State was to go undefeated and have a higher, the highest ranking squad, the highest ranking of recruits, um, their top player is going to be the Heisman Trophy winner and the number one draft pick in the NFL. Until all the teams come together, SEC is still going to be the SEC. The college football series, I mean, the NCAA is still going to be the NCAA. They could say Jackson State should be the top-ranked team in the, in, in the top 25, top number one in the top 25. That will never happen as long as they keep – as long as other teams keep mum about it. You're not only arguing for, like, the Coastal Carolinas. You're also arguing for the Jackson State. All these other unknown – I mean, unnamed teams that are ranked or undefeated but don't get the top ranks. So as long as SEC and there's favoritism between SEC, the Big Ten the, – the, um, the, the, the the Big Ten, and as long as there's favoritism there, Jackson State can go undefeated and have top recruits to their blue in the face. It's not going to change a thing. I agree. If they, Jackson State would have to leave. <laughs> the current conference, right. Their conference to go someplace because the conference as a whole is not respected. Jacksonville could be great, but the conference as a whole won't be respected and they'll be in the same boat as how Cincinnati is right now, except they might sniff a top 25, but they'll never be up, like you said, because it's favoritism. They'll never be up in that the top echelon. Only way that, the only way that can happen is if Jackson State goes to SEC. Yep. Well, that ain't happening. <laughs> Jackson, State will probably, Jackson State will probably end up in the Sun Belt or the Conference USA or something before they end up in the SEC. Never well, I'm say saying, never. <laughs> but I, I'm, all I'm saying is, is that for Jackson State to get that recognition that they want, the true recognition if they're undefeated and want to be in the top 10 teams in the NCAA college football, they would have to go to a powerhouse team like SEC or a powerhouse conference, I should say, like SEC. Or be able to, at the very least, um, schedule some games with some Power Five conference teams, ally Alabama or Florida Auburn, and get in there and start putting some, you know, not just some wins against those Power Five conference teams. Then that will make people start to really, you know, stand up and take notice. And then they'll have to eventually leave a, that that conference to go to another conference to really get their just due. Um, but I want you, Ace. That'd be beautiful if. Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama loses, that's going to throw that's going to throw that top four crazy. And the selection committee is going to be, they're going to be on you know, it's gonna, they're going to be on mark about how you're going to, you know, manage your top four because mm-hmm. two of those teams can't stay. Now, sure. now the only way the four stays the four is Alabama wins. Mm-hmm. Clemson wins, but Clemson wins over Notre Dame in a close game and Ohio State wins. Then you'll have Clemson move up to two. You'll probably have Ohio State move up to three and Notre Dame, you know, moves up, um, slips down to, you know, probably four. So ideally, they need Alabama and they need Clemson and Ohio State to win and they'll keep the four it is. But in your scenario, Ace, which I hope happens, (laughs) All bets are off because two of those teams can't stay, but I think one of them would. And if and if one of those teams were to stay, say like a Clemson, 
that's a total sham. That's just because it's, they just want Clemson in there. Clemson with two losses should not be up in there considering we have undefeated teams and other teams that are way more. You have a team with one loss. If you don't want to put Cincinnati in there, you put Texas A&M in there. But I'd be damned if Clemson with two losses still stays in there. I, I, I boy, I woo. <laughs> Man, Ohio State can't 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 survive without two losses because they don't because they only got five games. Uh, if Ohio State loses, they out. They yeah, should, yeah. Personally, they shouldn't even be in to begin with. Personally, never say never. Never say never. You know, and then and then sadly though, we're still overlooking the Pac-12. I haven't really been following the Pac-12 too tough, but if they have a one last, uh, USC has one loss, and they turn around and win their damn uh, conference championship, who's to say that USC isn't deserving, even if they only play three games? <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. You know, it's – I would love it. That's the that's probably the worst-case scenario that that selection community is, will see. Well, man, 2020 has brought some shit for your ass. That would be the <laughs> ultimate. That would be the ultimate slap in the face for college football. If that, if all four of those games work out that way, and I don't bet them, and it works out that way, I feel like an ass because I would have made a shitload of money. But you know, it would have just throw the monkey wrench into the whole situation. And and uh, I, I, sh- I I really hope it happens that way. I don't care if Alabama loses by one point. If they lose. I, well, they'll stay, but Florida and Alabama, that means Clemson and Ohio State going, which would make me happy because it just means that there's somebody new in the college, you know, the top four. I don't mind a Notre Dame so much because you don't see them every year. But to, I, Texas a that would be great, but I would surely love to see Cincinnati. I think they're deserving. And as Desmond Howard said, they, they passed the eye test. Who, um, Cincinnati? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they passed the eye test. All right, guys, we're about that time. But before I go, I want to just um, give a big, sh- um, um, I guess, recognition to the uh, Major League Baseball. Um, today on Wednesday, they announced that the records and stats from the um, seven teams that was in, that was considered the Negro Leagues will be recognized as part of the Major Baseball League's history. Um, it could pave the way for some um, posthumous enshrinement into um, Cooperstown by various players. Long overdue. Um, you know, questions are always going to be about whether or not, you know, this inclusion of the Negro Leagues, uh, was it genuine or was it just because of the climate that we are living in today? Um, we can discuss that at a, you know, at a later date. Um but I would give, you know, but let's recognize that um, the Negro Leagues will be included within Major League Baseball history. And a lot of players that were there, um, Satchel Page, Josh Gibson, just name a couple of, couple of there, their stats will be included um, within baseball. And we'll see how these um, players are going to fare as far as being enshrined in the Cooperstown. I think there's probably going to be a couple from the Negro Leagues that will be enshrined in the Cooperstown that are not already there that didn't make that switch from the Negro Leagues to the big. So um, I'll give I'll, I'll give a, a, a clap <laughs> to Major League Baseball for right now until until we delve a little bit deeper into it and see the, the reasoning and why this all came about. So um, and, on, and, um, and on top of that, fellas, let me know where they can find you at. In a nice warm house because it's cold as shit outside. Um, <laughs> Who'd you can also find me on Twitter at uh, Cat Daddy One Nine Six Three. That's Cat Daddy One Nine Six Three on Twitter. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter, Instagram. I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on um, the Gram and Snapchat. Je Ross, the number seven. Um, and as always, everybody stay safe. There's a little snow out there. If you're in, a, you know, the East Coast and you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, PA area. Uh, stay off the roads and drive safe. As always, stay safe in this COVID pandemic time frame. Please, Until next- yes. Because <laughs> you don't want to get screamed on like Tom Cruise screamed on his production people out in the UK filming Mission Impossible 7. So, um... Yeah. When the hell did I miss four, five, and six? 
last last four or five years. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> get caught up, Ace. Get caught up. Look, they're on Fast and Furious Nine for God's sake, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I miss, and, I miss and, that, and that came out after Mission Impossible First One came out. That is also true. Wow. Oh, oh. On a side note, I got retested. I am clean. I am negative. And a salute. Good, good to hear that. And as always, everybody have a um, peaceful and safe evening. God bless. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs>